Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on another bright day in a rather deserted city of Westminster still in these current times, as once again we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. I am Scott Challoner and I'm joined on today's programme by Mark Easby. Mark is the founder and managing director at Better Brand Agency, an award-winning brand agency with offices in both London and Teesside. Mark, welcome to the programme, and it's great to have you on the air with us on this fine day. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Mark, for taking the time to join us. Now, the purpose of this discussion is to really establish your take on leadership as a whole. So first and foremost, if we take that word leader in isolation and consider it just for a moment, what does that word actually mean to you? Um, I think in regards to business leadership, I think it's really about defining the business vision and and helping to drive the business forward, uh, providing sort of that management and supervision for the business, but also helping to sort of guide and protect the business as it grows. Um, and also, I suppose, from a personal uh, leadership uh, perspective, uh, we all have teams in our business, so it's really important um, from a leadership perspective that I think um, the leader takes that sort of paternal role, if you like, the, the, the head of the family, and he helps his people to grow and develop and help the business flourish. Yeah, um, very, very um, understandable of you pointer there, Mark. And um, if we um, look at your leadership style in a business uh, context, uh, just for a moment, how would you go about describing that? Would you say that, that very much lines up with the, the views that you just put forward there? Yeah, I think it's a sort of blend of, of, of paternal and, and uh, democratic leadership style, I guess. I'm, I'm fairly uh, open and, and approachable, fairly uh, informal, I guess. I've sort of grown into a, a leadership position, so I've had to develop my leadership style as the business has grown, really. But um, it's also, I think, for me, about sort of working and empowering the team around me and making sure that the team that we grow in the business has got a very different skill set and very different approaches to me. So we get a very uh, blended mix of, of leadership styles in the business and, and um we all know what we're good at and, and how our leadership styles um, support each other and everyone's empowered and motivated, I think, to, to inspire the team around us. I think that's uh, I think take- yeah, but really interesting, Mark, uh, because, um, of course, giving people that confidence to take on their own form of leadership, as you say, there is um, incredibly important because being a leader is about those around you just as much as yourself, isn't it, as you've rightfully said? Absolutely, yeah, and I think part of the challenges for me as I've sort of grown into the position is is also letting things go. So as, as we've brought people into the business that are better doing what they they do than, than I am, <laughs> ensuring that sort of uh, they are empowered and they've got the autonomy within their roles to help um, help the business grow as well. So um, I suppose helping um, helping to delegate and, and, and let things go where appropriate, but also I think taking control and, and having accountability as, as the ultimate leader in the business is, is really important too. Exactly. The buck stops with you, doesn't it? And taking that responsibility yeah. is yeah. incredibly important. And we've seen that very much personified um, at this uh, current uh, point in time, haven't we, with COVID-19, of course, and different business leaders feeling their way through this pandemic. It's on their shoulders to provide that much needed reassurance and keep the communication channels open amid all of this uncertainty. And, yeah, I, mm. I think communication is, is key. Actually, you just, you just mentioned there, and I think that's certainly one of the traits that a, a good leader should show, really open communication and certainly 
in the times that we're facing now, uh, being really open and honest with the people in the business uh, about uh, its vision, its direction, its beliefs, and, and the behaviours and, and attributes we're going to need from everyone to help us, uh, to help not just um, uh, not just um, survive, but sort of thrive and, and flourish as well. Mm, absolutely right. And um, another thing um, about that, Mark, is the fact that um, that comes with its pressures, doesn't it? Trying to keep those communication channels open, as we've said there, and provide that much needed reassurance to people when there is a great deal of uncertainty and the leader may not necessarily know that much about the future, even compared to to those around them. That can be quite difficult, but Again, it's a challenge that this generation of business leaders seems to have really embraced. And we're seeing so many fantastic stories out there, aren't we, of people really going above and beyond just to keep things ticking over. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we mentioned earlier as well, um, or rather you did, uh, Mark, that um, some t- that you, in a sense, kind of became a leader. So do you think that people can actually develop into leaders as opposed to being born as effective leaders with certain qualities? I think so, yeah. And I think um, as I've sort of developed in my career, actually coming from the tools as such, actually uh, working on projects um, that we deliver every day for clients and growing in that leadership position, I think I've got a really good understanding of of, of how projects work and there's sort of that empathy in regard to um, the delivery of projects and, and balancing that um, the real commercial uh, elements to, to projects, but also the, the, the people and the and the human parts of that as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's really important that that, that sits sort of centrally to us. And, and again, communication plays a really key role in that. And I think as a real reminder as well of the importance of experience, accumulating experience within leadership, um, experience as an employee as well. That's something that really helps you develop, isn't it? And I think a key part of that is the ability to be able to make one or two mistakes, suffer setbacks, and then embrace that as a learning curve and learn from it. That's also quite important, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, and I think uh, certainly when it comes to leadership, it's letting people have the, the flexibility and the space to to make those mistakes and learn from them as well. And we do uh, as, as as people, and we do as a business uh, learn from them. And I think it's really important that that um, that people in the team have the ability to do that. Certainly, some of the people in the business that are growing as leaders themselves uh, understand that that's key to their development. And in this uh, current um, crisis, Mark, um, how have they responded, those people around you were within the business? Um, are you, have you been quite inspired by what you've seen from them? Yes, I have. Everyone's reacted um, um, very well, uh, very well, obviously adapting um, to both work circumstances, working from home and, uh, and their own sort of micro environments, if you like, has changed dramatically, but also the, the wider business context and the wider business environment has changed dramatically as well. So, I've certainly got a role, I think, in our business to help communicate to the team about where we are as a business and where we want to be and, and, and how we're adapting to change. But obviously, um, they've got their own individual roles and responsibilities to help to embed those and, and change um, change behaviours. And, and as a business, as a people, we're, we're, we're quite agile. And like I say, people have got their own autonomy and flexibility to be able to uh, work within their own roles to help um, reach that business goal. And that flexibility and that adaptability, as you say, is integral, isn't it? And it's certainly going to be. Um, Business um, has already gone above and beyond to adapt to current circumstances, but it's going to have to keep doing that as we adjust to this new normal that we're going to be entering into, won't it? That's right. Yeah, that's right. And And motivation, sorry, sorry, Scott, motivation, I think, is a a real key thing. Obviously, when Mm. people change in their environment and working from home, it's 
um, obviously well-being and, and, and people's mental health has been uh, increasingly high on the agenda. But as we are all working remotely and keeping connected uh, as a team, it's really important that that, um, that that sits centrally to us too. So uh, the considerations and behaviours and, and that sort of flexibility in the parliament must, must, must sit uh, right alongside that as well. It's... Um... It can be difficult, can't it, of course, keeping all of those communication channels open from a distance. But it's a real testament as to how uh, business has been able to adapt to that and the real leadership that's gone into creating these new structures very quickly in some cases. Um, Of course, the response of business has been incredibly inspiring, as it's been, in your case, Mark, for those around you during this time. But prior to COVID-19, what would you say have been some of your biggest inspirations and influences on you throughout your career? Um, from, from setting the business up and founding the business uh, about 12 years ago, we've always had a um, quite a growing group of, of mentors and, and peer-to-peer um, support uh, around both myself and the business as well. So uh, we never underestimate the ability to to have uh, grow relationships and networks and be able to sort of share challenges and share best practice. And, um, there's sort of no one individual, I don't think, that I'd, I'd pinpoint, but we've been very... Um, astute, I think, in making sure that the people around us and the groups that we talk to, and, and other directors and, 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 and peers that we uh, that we talk to regularly, have really helped influence uh, certainly my approach personally, and, and just how we're um, looking at current business circumstances and, and looking at opportunities and, and the agility of the business as well. So, yeah, I think it's really important that that the leader himself isn't isn't lonely in this position, if you like, and. And, and also the, the business has a network around itself for, for both support, but also, I think, to help explore opportunities and and, uh, uh, and test ideas. Certainly just as much about those people um, around you, isn't it? It's about them getting the best out of you and looking out for you as their leader, as well as vice versa. And sometimes when leaders tend to feel themselves as being lone wolves it's quite easy to forget that isn't it so for those younger generations of people looking to make it in business especially you should be looking to surround yourself with positive people though shouldn't you that's the sort of message we should be uh, giving out there yeah i think so i think in, in uh, relationships have always been important i think and, and sit centrally to, uh, to to business and business leaders but but certainly more so now i think it, uh, and like I said, there's certainly been uh, been a network around us that's been fundamental in helping us, um, as, as for me as a leader and, and our management team, as well as the business in general, help develop and grow uh, and make sure we're, uh, we're confident and we're, uh, we're resilient in equal measure uh, in regard to certainly the current circumstances. And if you were to actually give some advice to uh, somebody, uh, Mark, who is maybe about to start their first day in a leadership role within a business, what sort of advice would you give them based upon the experience that you have? Um, I think first and foremost, it's it's um, don't be afraid of making mistakes. Uh, be brave and be uh, be quite bold. Um, but obviously, uh, when mistakes come along, uh, learn from them. And, and uh, you might not have skill the skills on day one, and I certainly didn't as I sort of evolved into my leadership position, but uh, certainly those personal attributes of, uh, of confidence and that willing to uh, willingness to explore and develop and learn uh, has been really fundamental to me. So uh, and that links back, I think, to, to the networks and relationships as well, to, to build relationships with people around you and inside and outside the business that really can help uh, be a sounding board or be, be a test bed for um, decisions that might need to be made or ideas uh, you might have for developing the business. 
And there'll be lots of those ideas uh, going forward from here as business inevitably has to innovate to um, adjust to the uh, the new normal way of doing business. Now, um, yeah, Mark, yeah. if we think about what that long term might hold, especially for yourself and for Better Brand Agency, what do you envision the next year or so holding for yourself, for the business? And what do you hope to achieve in that time as we move through COVID-19 and hopefully emerge from the other side and really look to the future? Mm. Uh, well, we've had, uh, we certainly, uh, it's changed quite dramatically in the last month or two, really, from uh, from obviously a, a state of potential anxiousness and, and panic in regard to how this might affect us as a business to actually instilling confidence about the really good stuff that we're doing and, and the processes and the people that we have and, uh, and opportunities that we've created. And uh, we've certainly seen things like our pipeline and, and our opportunities uh, continue to grow even through the last couple of months for uh, we're hoping to uh, to expand on that, and we we were based in the northeast, and we we opened a London office uh, last year to take advantage of some of the client opportunities that we have down there, and that's really that's really flourished and continues to. So, although it's dramatically changed the way we're delivering projects um, through digital platforms now and, and remote meetings and things, we hopefully that should make a really positive impact on on. Um, efficiency to project and, and productivity around project delivery and things. But from an opportunities perspective, we see a bit of a leveling, leveling of the playing field, I think, with, with um, the way we're now competing with both regional, national and, and international agencies for, uh, for tenders and pitches because um, we can now deal with projects uh, from anywhere in the world. And, and we've won a couple of projects on the back of that as well, which is which is really exciting. So it's gone from, from full circle from, not understanding how this is quite going to affect us and, and that default position of sort of fear and anxiety to actually confidence and strength in, in the business that we have and the work that we're doing and the opportunities that this is going to bring. Exactly right. There will be opportunities that come as a result of this, despite it being such um, a tragic and awful time. And business is really going to be in a position, hopefully, to seize upon those opportunities. And it will be innovating to do just that. And in your case, uh, Mark, I have to say, given how informative it's been um, speaking with you on today's programme, I think it'd be fantastic in the next year or so to actually have you back on the programme with us just to catch up on how things are getting on and discuss some of those new initiatives the business is getting involved in as part of that effort to innovate. Certainly, we'd love to. I would um, relish having you uh, back on the programme, Mark. It's been a real pleasure having you on today. It's a shame we're just about out of time. Um, otherwise, we'd, we could probably talk about it all afternoon. But <laughs> really do appreciate taking the time to uh, join us. And do take care and do stay safe with everything still going on, for sure. And you, Scott. Thank you. That was Mark Easby, founder and managing director at Better Brand Agency. Coming up next on the programme today, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with England's 1966 Football World Cup hero, Sir Jeff Hurst. During his professional football career, Sir Jeff scored over 200 league goals for the likes of West Ham United and Stoke City. But most notably, he remains the only man to this day to have scored a hat-trick in the final of a World Cup competition after his treble in England's 4-2 victory over West Germany at the Old Wembley Stadium 54 long years ago now. I hope you enjoy listening just as much as Jonathan enjoyed speaking with Sir Jeff. And that's coming up next. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. 
oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me, realize that I did uh, score nothing for Essex, uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, there were one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where... Um, so Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership, it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you, you're very... Fortunate, I think you, you you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and uh, a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course a, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at. West Ham uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players, and of course they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably. Well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain. Um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. And what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier he played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership uh, well, I do. I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top. is absolutely vital for a, a for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. 
And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction, people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially with Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious things I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment? I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before I was I was playing. And I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But uh, in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games, before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, and Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games. And I probably didn't quite replicate my, my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay, he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough 
to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out, mm. out. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about it, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important, to say about Alf Ramsey, people he, he left behind that, that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were a very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal and I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Lines, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience. 
at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I had a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh that day. If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, um, well, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with... Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to. Their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today, uh, easily. 
easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood. Yeah, well, the, the answer, is straightforward answer, is yes. Um, good they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes I can elaborate as much as you want but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes uh, and with um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so but um, I'm conscious of the um, time um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, so many, yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I'm going back from an earlier earlier question for me: the um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, uh, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't I... when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude (laughs) alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is team. the word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, Jeff, uh, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? 
single-mindedness, single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. I don't think you can switch off when you're in in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may you know have a have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if these top managers and lead leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm. I'm sure there's not uh, there's, they will not switch off for for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I've been your host, Scott Challoner. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, or other guests of any other person therein associated.